When we had our firstborn, Theron James Haslam, everything changed. We had no idea what we were getting into. Not whatsoever. He was born, I got to tell you, this, this is a brutal story. It was like 30 hours of labor that ended in an emergency C-section because the boy was a bobblehead. <laughs> Love the guy, gigantic head. <laughs> he was like a grapefruit on a toothpick. He's <laughs> like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Love that guy. He's awesome. <laughs> but babies change everything. Maybe... Um, for you, you have some great stories of memories of when your kids were young. Let me share with one, one with you very quickly, and then I want to go into the passage that we're talking about this morning. Uh, the birth of a baby could change everything. Maybe you'll relate to this. At 3 a.m., a young wife shakes her husband awake. How many of you have ever experienced that? That's definitely been on my experience. Telling him to check on the newborn baby. So he sits up and he listens and then he begins to protest. And he says, but I don't hear her crying. I know, says the mom. It's your turn to go see why not. <laughs> and I remember that. I remember, you know, we had those baby monitors. And, and Theron would be sleeping. And, and, and we, we'd like almost hold our breaths because we didn't hear anything necessarily coming out of the baby monitor. So we'd quickly go and you know, we had that little conversation, do you think he's okay, do you think he's okay, okay, let's go check, right, and somebody goes to check, and you come back, and you do that whole thing, you don't sleep well, and usually it's self-induced, actually, or I shouldn't say usually, but partly. Well, babies do change everything. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to share something with you this morning from, I know in your bulletin, if you're taking notes, it says Galatians chapter 5, that's a typo on my part, it's Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. If you do not know where the book of Galatians is, in the beginning of your Bible, there's a table of contents. People worked really hard to put it there. Don't be ashamed to use it. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. And when you have it, one of the ways we like to show respect for God's word here at Pathways, we like to stand for the reading of his word. So when you have it, would you please stand with me? Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Here's what it says. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent His Spirit of His Son into your hearts, and the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God made you also an heir. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that you are God and we are not, and that you know all things. You are in charge of all things. And so, Lord Jesus, as we are looking into your word this morning, would you give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that are open to what you have for us this morning. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. So absolutely, babies change a lot of things. They change your sleeping habits. Maybe after you bring home your bundle of joy, you'll notice that your life is almost certainly noisier. You're in that space where your, your grocery shopping might be a little different as you discover all the different kinds of things that your child will puke up on you. Maybe the different kinds of formula that are available. And who sets the prices on diapers? 
goodness those are expensive. But you're going to learn what makes, what foods make your child smile and what foods produce unpleasant reactions. And if you're wise, you'll childproof your home. And with time, you'll be able to tell if the tears that you're, or the cries that you're hearing are cries about wanting to eat or cries about wanting to be held or cries to wanting to be changed. Though the one about changed, there's other clues to that one as well. <laughs> the birth of a baby brings big changes in life. And when we talk about Christmas specifically, the birth of a baby changed everything. His birth meant a change in everything for you and me. And I want to talk this morning about three changes that Christmas can bring into our lives. So if you're taking notes in your bulletin, this is really straightforward. It's three changes that Christmas can bring into our lives. The first one is this. The birth of Christ changed history. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, Right? That's what some translations say. When the fullness of time had come, at just the right time. The world today is shaped by many events from the past, but no event has changed the world as much as the birth of Christ in the manger at Bethlehem. And so what, what are some changes that his birth produced? Well, I think the most obvious one would be this. That every time you check an expiration date on your milk, or you write a check, for those who still do that, or sign any kind of legal document, you need to know what year it is. Now, where does that number of that year come from? Well, it comes from the birth of Christ. Some still use terms like B.C., which means before Christ. Others, and, and A.D., which is not after death, as a lot of us like to think. It's Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. And they use it to outline history. There's a change that they're trying to make, right, that now try to get rid of Christ's name by calling it BCE, before Common Era, and ACE, after Common Era. And the trouble, of course, is that there's a pivot point in there, and how do you determine what the pivot point is? Well, the pivot point is the birth of Christ. So regardless of whether you use AD or ACE, the pivot point is still Jesus. Now, one thing that nobody can deny is that all of human history is divided by His entrance into the world. There was the events that took place before and the events that took place after. So how would human history have been different if he had not been born in the fullness of time? We have no idea. We have no idea what it would be like. Christianity, with all its failures and faults, has been one of the most powerful forces in human history. But if Christ were never born, human history would have, been told, would have told a very different story. But Christ was born, Paul declares, at just the right time, right on schedule, according to the plan mapped out long before creation. God sent His Son to be born into this world, and His birth changed human history. But He wants to do more. He wants to do more than just change human history. He wants to change yours, and He wants to change mine. He wants to draw a line that's separating B.C. and A.D. in each and every one of our lives, before Him and after Him, or in the year of Him. 
He wants to transform everything in our history. The Bible actually tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, listen, this is important. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And here it comes. The old things have passed away, B.C., and the new things have come, A.D. This is what he's talking about in our lives, before him and after him. Christ's birth changed human history, but Christ's entrance into your life will change your history. And when Christ enters your life, He changes your life direction. The Christian person is no longer chasing after sin, and we understand sin to mean missing the mark of what God would have for you. It's an archery term. If you miss the target, you sinned. You missed the mark. That's what it means. So you're no longer chasing after sin, but pursuing the things of God. We call that righteousness. He's following Christ. The new believers following the Lord's plan for their lives. He changes our desires. A Christian wants to please God, and they may struggle with sinful desires, but their ultimate desire is to live worthy of the one who saved us. And even when we fail, and we will fail, and we do fail, we want to be forgiven. We want it to be different. We want to be cleansed. We want to do better for His sake. Our history changes. When Christ enters our life, He doesn't just erase the past, but He changes how we relate to, to the past. He changes how we live in our present and changes our hopes and our goals in the future. And this is how Christ can change your history. Have you experienced that change? You might be a good person or even a religious person, but if you've never invited Jesus into your life and changed you, you might be missing on the most important change that a person can experience in life. Secondly, the birth of Christ can change your relationship with God. Change your relationship with God. Verses 4 and 5, it says this, but when, he set, when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son to be born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption to sonship. In one sentence, how would you describe your relationship with the Lord? And some of you might say, it's okay. What I often hear from people when I ask questions like this is, not as good as it should be. How many of you would answer that way? Not as good as it should be. Yeah, we do that one on a regular basis, right? Of course, we don't define how good it should be so that we know what the measuring stick actually is. We just know that it's not as good as it should be. But if we stop and think about it, the default setting for most of us is everything is okay between God and me. But why wouldn't it be okay between God and me? Well, when Jesus starts His preaching, He begins calling everybody to make a change. He actually says, repent... Change your mind, change your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Both Christ and the Apostle Paul preach that everybody needs a fundamental change in their relationship with God. And Paul uses two key words in this passage that explain the change that he was born to bring. The first one was redemption. Born of a woman, born under the law. Listen, to redeem those who were under the law. And the word redemption entails two ideas, to purchase 
and to liberate. When you redeem a coupon for dinner, you are using that coupon to buy something. You liberate the meal. Paul's idea of redemption comes from the slave market of the ancient world. People became slave in those days for a variety of reasons, but there were basically two ways that a slave found freedom. Either their master freed them or somebody else redeemed them. They paid the price for them to be set free. Now, you might be sitting there and say, okay, Rob, I get it. I get the concept. I understand, but what does that have to do with me? I'm not a slave. Nobody's my master. But I want to let you know here this morning that Jesus actually says it a little differently. John 8, 34, he says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Catch that? Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So here's the question. You ever sin? I do. As a matter of fact, I'm quite good at it. As I suspect, so are you. We sin. Ever done anything wrong knowing that you were doing wrong? Jesus says that we are a slave, a slave to sin, and we are a slave to sin's penalty, guilt. We're a slave to sin's power. And so we do wrong sometimes even when we mean to do right. And then we are a slave to sin's destiny. But the good news is that the baby born in Bethlehem's manger can redeem you from sin. He is fully human, born of a woman just as you were. He was born under the law that is subject to God's demand for perfect obedience. The big difference is that he kept the law of God perfectly because he was not a slave to sin. Because he was free. He could pay the price for our freedom. His own death on a cruel cross. He was born to die to redeem each and every single one of us here from sin. To offer us a not guilty verdict before a holy God. To set us free from guilt, from defeat, and from eternal death. Jesus actually puts it this way. He says in John 8, 36, and I love this. Listen. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You catch that? If the Son sets you free, you will be freed indeed. But Jesus was not born just to set you free from slavery. God wants more than that in your relationship with Him. Jesus was also born to change your relationship with God through, and here's that second word, adoption. Adoption. That we might receive the adoption as sons. And so it kind of goes like this. Buy a slave, set him free, and you go on your way, and he goes on his way. But if God frees us from slavery to make us his sons and daughters, he sent Jesus not just to take off our chains, but to adopt us into his family. You catch that? I think that's a part of the gospel that we sometimes miss. We focus very heavily on Christ's death on the cross for us, and that's true, and that's critical to the gospel message. But did you know that the reality there was that it was not just simply to set us free from the power of sin, from the power of death in our lives, that it was also to adopt us as sons and daughters of the King? That's a big part of the gospel message, and that's what being, is being proclaimed here. Jesus wasn't born just to set us free, but to set us and set a place for us at God's table. 
to welcome us home to a new family, to make us a loved child of God. Jesus was born to change our relationship with God. He came to earth to redeem us, to set us free from our guilt and our sins, from the power of sin and the penalty of sin. But His redemption makes it possible for us to become beloved child of God, to give up trying to earn our way into heaven, but to enjoy life as a child of God. He came to change our relationship. We're not just free. We're adopted. We're not just free. We're in His family. And that changes everything. Thirdly, the birth of Christ can change your experience with God. There's a story of a, a young French peasant woman. Her name is Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc victoriously led the armies of France against the armies of England during the 100 Years' War. She claimed that she was guided by the voice of God, and when she was captured by the English, one of the soldiers was actually mocking her. He says to the other soldiers, she says she hears God's voice. Why, I don't hear God's voice. To which Joan replied, she says, but don't you wish you did? You can change your experience with God. I want to experience God in a real way. And I believe you do too. Not just in my mind. I don't want just this intellectual relationship with God. I don't want to just know about Him. I don't want to just know the Bible. I want to know God. To experience Him in a different way. That, Paul says, is one of the reasons Jesus Christ was born into the world. And because you are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba. And immediately thereafter, it gives the definition, Father. Abba means Father. It's, a, it's an intimate term. It's Aramaic. It means Father. It can also be translated as Papa. And, believe it or not, Daddy. How many dads do we have in the room? Raise your hand if you're a dad in the room. Okay. How many of you have a dad? I just want to say, if there are those of you who are not putting up your hands, something weird biologically happened to you. <laughs> do you remember hearing, the as a, as a dad in the room, do you remember hearing the word daddy? And what that did to you? Changes everything, doesn't it? Kind of melts you a bit, doesn't it? And you know that only your offspring, only the ones that are in your family are the ones calling you that, right? The ones that you've either given, you know, you were part of their coming into the world or you've adopted them into your home. They're the ones who call you daddy. Nobody else calls you daddy. They are yours and your heart moves in their direction. Crying, Abba, Father. This is verse 6. When you are redeemed and adopted into God's family, He sends His Spirit to inhabit your mind, your heart, and your will. And He gives you the assurance in your heart that you are a child of God. And that assurance, it gives us the ability to dare to call God Abba, Father. You see, again, the hugeness of the gospel is not just simply that we were saved. It's that we're adopted. We are sons and daughters of the King. That's the kind of relationship that Jesus came to enable us to experience with God. That secure 
warm love between father and child. And Paul says, live that way. In verse 7, he says, don't go on living like a slave. Live like a child, loved and treasured by your heavenly Father. Don't keep trying to earn your way into His heart. Don't keep living like a slave. Live like a child. You catch that? Stop living like a slave. Start living like a child. That's big. It's huge. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God made you also an heir. Now, do you hear any harshness in that? Do you hear anything in there at all that makes it sound like God is distant from you? No, listen to it again. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. No longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God made you also an heir. Jesus came to this earth to make that kind of relationship with God possible. And so we might ask, is it really possible? Do you really believe it's possible to live so sure of God's love for you and so certain of His acceptance? Think about it this way. He came to be Emmanuel, God with us, in a way more real than we could ever imagine. That, Paul says, is the change that the birth of Christ came to make in our hearts and in our lives. So we might sit back and we might ask ourselves questions like, can the birth of Christ change everything for you? You know what? You're never really going to know the answer to that question until you ask Him to change your history, to change your relationship with God, and to change your experience with God. And this is, this is the stuff that makes me worry about people in our region. Everyone's so worried about looking right and doing the right things, checking off all the right boxes. Now they forget that, that God is not into our list. He's into our hearts. He's not into whether or not our vehicles are clean for Sunday morning. He's not into whether or not we dress up. He's not into whether or not we think we have it all together. He's into us. So my kids, you might be surprised by this, they're not perfect. I know, you're shocked. It doesn't change my love for them. It doesn't change the direction of my heart towards them. Do they always obey me? Nope doesn't change that I love them. doesn't change that I'll do anything for them. And I think that's the part of who God is that we forget. We become so focused on how huge He is. And, 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 I, and I admit it, for me too, I, I like to think of Him as Lord and King and Creator of all things. But at the same time, He's Dad. His heart is always turned in my direction never giving up on me, always pursuing me. And I think we forget about that. We forget about the heart of God turned towards us. Jesus came to change our history, to change our relationship with God, and to change our experience with God. Maybe you're here this morning and you just don't feel like you're close to God at all. Can I ask you to 
put down your list of what you think it looks like to be close to God and just talk to Him. Read about Him. Learn more about His heart. Get close to Him that way. And, and don't worry. The stuff that's in your life that you know needs to not be there, He'll work that out with you. He's good at that. But He's less interested in us trying to work those things out on our own than He is in us having authentic relationship with Him. When you're in an authentic relationship, like, look, I'll talk about my married life for, for a moment. So, I, I've mentioned to you, you guys know that, that I've not been an easy person to be married to, right? You light your wife on fire, that's a bad thing, and constantly scaring her, that's a bad thing. But Janet had to deal with a lot with me. I had a lot of baggage from when I grew up that made me not really know how to do relationship very well. I always had a desire to, but I never really did it well. And I found this, I found that the more... I loved Janet. The more those things that were in my life that contributed to our relationship not going in the direction it needed to go, they started to go away. They started to go away. Why? Because I wanted to serve her. And in, in the event that you're wondering, the stuff that was going on in her life that prevented us from having the kind of relationship that we knew we needed to have and wanted to have, because she loved me, those started to go away too. You see, we became very deliberate about that relationship, very deliberate about the experience that we had together. And I want to let you know this morning that the same is true of your relationship with God. The more you love Him, those things that you think are hindrances in your life and your relationship with Him, you're going to start walking away from those things. And you're going to start walking more and more towards Him. His heart is always constantly turned towards you. He's asking that your heart turns towards Him. So let Him change your history. Let Him change your relationship and let Him change your experience. That's the invitation for you this morning. Come to Him. Believe. And see for yourself how a baby changes everything. Absolutely everything. Let's pray. Lord God, thank You so much for this morning. And I thank you that a baby changes everything. And very specifically, Jesus, you changed everything. I thank you that when we're in you, we are a new creation. The old is gone and new has come. So our BC, our before you, is gone. And yes, Lord, we know that it's still part of our experience in life, but it doesn't define us in life. And so we thank you that you give us a new perspective on our history. And more importantly, and equally important, Lord, I thank you that you give us a new destiny, you give us a new direction, that we are yours. We're adopted. We're not just cleaned up. We're not just saved. We're not just bought with a great price. We've been adopted, chosen, desired for to your family. That you set a table up and you set seats at that table, and every single one of us that comes to a saving knowledge in you has a seat at the table that we come to the family gathering, the one that we enjoy. And I thank you, Father, that your heart is always turned towards us. Would you help us to be a people that get over ourselves and turn our hearts towards you? In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.